You're listening to Sphera Now, a podcast for environmental health, safety, and quality professionals around the globe. This is brought to you by Sphera, the largest global provider of integrated risk management software and information services with a focus on environmental health and safety, operational risk, and product stewardship. Now, let's get started. Hello, and welcome to a very special Sphera Now podcast. We are on location at Fona International's headquarters in Geneva, Illinois. I'm your host, James Tarani, and I'm joined today by Jennifer Howell, Fona's Director of Regulatory Innovation. How are you doing today, Jennifer? Good. Thanks for coming. Thanks so much for the tour. That was really cool. We had <laughs> yeah, a great time. We really love showing off our facility. Great. Can you tell us a little bit about Fona? Fona is a medium-sized, privately held flavor company located about 40 miles outside of Chicago. We sell flavors to all sorts of industries, from beverage to confections to healthcare to pet care. Very cool. And can you tell us a little bit about the process of creating a new flavor? Flavor creation typically starts with a great idea. So someone has an innovation um, where they want to create a new product with a specific type of flavor, and they'll come to us with all of their regulatory requirements. It typically will start with the regulatory requirements. We will look to see if it needs to be organic or kosher. Then uh, someone called a flavorist will actually develop the flavor. Flavorists are part science, part chef, very creative people who know a lot about what makes things taste good. They'll pull together from our raw material catalog of about 4,000 ingredients, add them in a specific way to make it taste the way that the customer wants it to taste in their finished product application. As you can imagine, a lemon flavor tastes differently in a beverage than it does a cereal bar. So each of our flavors is custom developed for that specific solution and that specific customer. So it's like the Swedish chef and beaker combined into one. It is. We actually have some really cool lab coats that we make people wear just to make them look more sciencey. But I would say that a lot of what we do is creativity. <laughs> Very cool. And what are some of the challenges of creating new flavors? One of the um, biggest challenges, I've, I've been in the industry 18 years, and the pace of change is incredibly rapid. One of the things you can prepare for are regulation changes. Usually there's a notification that a change is coming, and you will prepare for that change. What you can't prepare for is the um, promulgation of third-party requirements that is happening in the current industry. So companies like Whole Foods or Kroger are making requirements for ingredients that they no longer want to see used in their food products. Those Lists are not always available publicly. Sometimes you have to be connected in order to get those private lists. And then um, harmonizing those lists is almost an impossible challenge. So we'll take those, let's say, 15 different lists, and we will combine them into our product development software so that we can develop on the fly against those specific requirements. But keeping up to date with those changes, there's no rulemaking process. They can just decide to change that list tomorrow, and they don't even have an obligation to tell you that the the list has changed. So we have to um, determine different ways to stay on top of those those changing requirements. Wow, that sounds complicated. Oh, it's fun. <laughs> it, it we have like, a good time. <laughs> sounds like a blast. So, <laughs> I'm sure our listeners are wondering, so how many new flavors are you creating in a month, and uh, what are some of the more unusual flavors you've come across? So we're shipping about 500 sample bottles a month in addition to however much we're shipping for production. So Every time we're shipping a flavor, it represents probably 10 iterations before that. So we are creating 
thousands of new flavors a month. And what are some of the more unusual ones that you've unusual seen? Unusual flavors. So I, 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 it's funny. There's some things are never new. So. 1906, the flavor industry formed because of vanilla extract. People were not um, selling vanilla extract in a fair way. So the association FEMA, the Flavor and Extract Manufacturers Association, was formed in order to ensure that that was being done fairly. Today, uh, many uh, over 100 years later, vanilla is still the, the most popular flavor. Some things just um, don't change. But what I've really enjoyed is the promulgation of these fantasy flavors. So things like um, mermaid flavor and <laughs> unicorn flavor. I, I've really enjoyed seeing what that means. And I, I've really enjoyed seeing consumers create their own flavors. So those different mix and match where you can have two different flavors of bubble gum in a pack and combine them in a way that makes them taste differently in combination. It's it's super. That's the kind of innovation that I've really enjoyed seeing. Wow, I never thought mermaids and unicorns would wind up in the flavors industry. That's really impressive. Well, what's really great about a mermaid flavor is what do you have to have in it? There's no requirement. Like if you have a natural lemon flavor, clearly it needs to contain natural lemon. But if you have a natural mermaid flavor, no one expects you to add actual mermaid. (laughs) So these fantasy flavors are great for the flavor industry because we really get to be extremely creative about the flavors we're creating because you're creating more to a concept than you are to a specific flavor profile. That's true. I'm sure no one's ever tasted a unicorn before. I haven't. I have not. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me a little bit about the... um, how, how you focus on safety here at Fona. Flavors are an interesting part of the food industry because we're, we use both food ingredients, traditional food ingredients like honey and maple syrup, but then we also use more technological solutions for creating flavors, which are things like flavor, flavor chemicals. So D-limonene, for example, is a is what makes an orange taste citrusy. It it is also found in lemons and grapefruit and limes, and it makes those fruits takes taste citrusy. So we will do um, different types of processing to isolate that D-limonene so that we can use that individual character in all of our our different flavors. That's great. And uh, tell me a little bit about the technology that goes into all this. I mean, I'm sure it's changed a lot over the years. Technology has had a huge impact on the flavor industry, um, starting with the the different techniques for um, isolating these chemicals from where they were found in nature, and then determining how to recreate them synthetically in a, a more affordable way or in a greener way or in a way that has less impact on the environment. Not to beat a dead horse, but the vanilla subject, you can imagine or the unicorn. impact. Or yeah, I'm dead <laughs> unicorn. Um, the vanilla issue is really challenging for the flavor industry right now because it has some potential to have negative impacts on the areas that we're isolating that vanilla from. So technology at Fona is identifying ways to make alternatives to vanilla that have less of a negative impact on the environment but can still be affordable for mass use in food products. Technology also looks like figuring out what a dog is tasting when a dog can't explain to you what they're tasting. So if you're doing a panel... My dog tries, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) You do know what they're thinking if they don't eat it. But let's say we have a panel of kids eating a cereal. They can tell you what they think about that cereal. Dogs um, don't have that same ability. So we're using technology like electronic tongues and electronic noses to identify... Now, wait a minute. What's an electronic tongue? So it's literally a way of... um, 
analyzing a flavor or a food product to see what the materials are that are making it taste that way. So let's say you could get um, the food from the market that your dog enjoys eating the most. You could put it in the electronic tongue and it would tell you what is in that food product that is potentially making the dog enjoy that food product so much. Really? Because then you can isolate that food product and use it in a flavor to make that flavor equally attractive to that dog. I hope it's not as slobbery as a as a dog. <laughs> I think slobber probably has a lot to do with it. I mean, we're not as adept in the sensory science around food pro- of uh, pet food products, but I know se- um, the amount of saliva you have in your mouth absolutely changes the way you're perceiving the taste of that food product. So I would assume there's an, an equivalent connection in dogs where different dogs taste differently depending on how much saliva they're producing. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so for people who aren't aware of safety data sheets, can you explain what a safety data sheet is and how it affects your business? So I like to say that the most hazardous chemical in the world is actually water. You can drown in water. You, if you inhale it, you can die. If you don't drink enough, you can die. If you drink too much, you can die. Water is a pretty deadly thing. However, used in a safe manner, water is completely great to consume. Flavor chemicals are similar. They have the ability to be harmful if they're misused. So I compare it sometimes to a jalapeno. If you're cutting a jalapeno, you probably shouldn't rub your eyeball afterwards because you can have a significant reaction to that jalapeno. Um, Try not to touch other mucous membranes that may or may not be in different parts of your body, right? So, But jalapeno can be consumed and, and cooked with safely. Flavor chemicals are the same way. Well, we use safety data sheets to communicate ways that flavors can be used in a safe manner. So you want to make sure if you're working with something that's um, extremely concentrated, you have the appropriate gloves or safety goggles. Or in some cases, you might even have to make sure you're um, providing additional air. And it sounds scary, but really, if you're painting, you want to make sure you have a window open in the room that you're painting. And it's a very similar concept where you just want to take those precautions so that you're you're keeping yourself safe when you're handling those specific sure. products. And how many safety data sheets are you going through a day, and how has that changed over the years? So a safety data sheet is generated every time a flavor is created, and then every time that flavor is modified. So we are easily creating over 100,000 safety data sheets a year. Really? Wow. That's a lot of data. Being in custom flavors is extremely challenging because you have to stay up with that kind of data um, and also provide it in an extremely timely manner to the customers. Do you think uh, consumers in general are um, more under, they have a better understanding of the the safety data sheets they're reading on the packaging? I do think that it's becoming more of a known thing. So I remember, let's say even five years ago, Consumers had this perception that even an essential oil, you could just rub it all over your body. (laughs) Essential oils are the original flavor. They are concentrated. Um, Some of them are phototoxic, so things like grapefruit oil. If you rub them on your skin and then are exposed to sun, you can have an extremely strong reaction and actually get a sunburn. When GHS was implemented in 2015, which required additional hazard labeling on specific products, consumers have been seeing hazards more frequently on products. I do think they are understanding it better, but I'm also concerned that it causes a little bit of fatigue. Sure. When everything is hazards, nothing's treated like it's a hazard. And so I think we have to watch as a, as a society the, that the warnings we're providing are extremely relevant to the use case 
of that the consumer is being exposed to. That's great. Uh, thank you so much, Jennifer, for having us today. We've had a great time here at FONA, and uh, it was really nice meeting you. Thank you so much for coming. I, I just, I'm really grateful for this experience, and I, I hope you'll all come back. Flavor University, it's a fun time. We'll be back, and we'll be sampling flavors soon. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. This concludes this episode of Sphera Now. For more content on topics such as these, we encourage you to visit sphera.com, S-P-H-E-R-A.com. While there, feel free to click contact and submit feedback on this podcast or suggest topics you'd like to see us cover. Thank you and have a great rest of your day.